This is Sounds Like Adventure, an actual play podcast all about fun roleplay, short runtimes, and great sound design. I'm your host and DM, Jack Trainer, and I'm joined by my co-hosts and players, Jacob Sirachi and China Venzel. We did it! We made it! It's the last episode of season one of Sounds Like Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, last episode, a lot of good stuff happened. Otis and Seahawk managed to finally make their way to the menagerie and they solved the mystery within. They solved it in quite a drastic way, but they did end up with the clue that they've been looking for and they were ready to leave. But it looks like the museum has some defense mechanisms of its own because the skeletons of the dinosaurs around the room creaked and cracked and they came to life. And they started to advance on Otis and Seahawk. And when we left off, it was finally time for these guys to fight something. All right, and we haven't done this in a while, but because this is the first time we're going to have combat on the show, let's do it again. D&D 101, let's learn a little bit about how combat works. So if you're already a D&D combat expert, then skip ahead to 4 minutes and 38 seconds in your podcast player now. So when you enter combat in D&D, the game becomes a bit more structured than it usually is. You start out by everyone rolling a 20-sided dice to roll for what we call initiative. And by doing that, we establish a turn order. The highest number in that roll, they go first, the lowest number goes last, and then it just repeats from there in a cycle. Each player controls their character and they take their turn on the relevant spot in the turn order. And I control all the enemies, the non-player characters or NPCs. Now, on each character's turn, they have a number of different things they can do. But the two key things I want to talk to you about are movement and actions. So, starting with movement, every character has a speed, which is the amount of feet that they can move in every turn in combat. And the way we visualize that when we're actually playing is we have a map that has a grid on it. So, basically, every player can basically move six squares. Then actions. So actions, they're your main thing that you're going to do on your turn in combat. So actions can take the form of trying to attack another enemy with your weapon, casting a spell, or just doing something. Now let's talk attacks. So attacks are one of the main things that happens in a round of combat in D&D, and attacks really resemble ability checks. So for an attack, when a player decides that they want to attack an enemy, they first roll a d20, then they add some bonuses that they have based on how they've built their character, and then the total that they get needs to beat a number. But instead of it being a DC, a difficulty class, like in an ability check, it's an AC, an armor class. So consider it like the quality of the armor of the enemy that they're attacking. And vice versa, when the enemy attacks the player, the same thing happens, except I'm rolling the dice and I'm trying to beat their AC. So unlike a DC, an AC doesn't change. It stays static. So here's where things get a little bit different from ability checks. So after a player rolls a dice and beats an AC, they roll again to roll the amount of damage that they do. So they roll again, they add some bonuses that they have from their character, they get their total, and then that number is taken away from the health total of the enemy that they attacked. And when that health total reaches zero, then that enemy dies. 
And one final note, actually, there are some special abilities that uh, Chai and Jacob as Otis and Seok have access to. So Otis as an illusion wizard is a spellcaster. So when he's going to use his spells, he'll announce what it's going to be. He'll explain it. He'll likely read the entire text of the spell. But for Seok, he has these other abilities as a rogue that just sort of trigger throughout combat. So the main one of these is called sneak attack. And this is like the signature ability of rogues. Basically, there's points in combat where a player will have advantage over an enemy, and in those instances, usually you just roll two d20s and take the highest. But for a rogue in those instances, they roll the two d20, but then they also get to add mega extra damage to the damage roll of it. Then they have a few other abilities. One of them is really effective that allows them to halve whatever damage they took once per turn. Really powerful. But those are the main ones you need to know about. Okay, there we go. That's combat. Everything you need to know. And for those of you just returning to us, one thing I do want to let you know is the life totals of Otis and Seok. So these are the numbers that these guys really don't want to see hit zero. So for Otis, his life total is 30 hit points and Seok has 33. So with all that in mind, let's see if Otis and Seok can survive their first ever combat on the show. And it's only against some dinosaurs. Should be too hard, right? Okay, so in the last session, you guys solved the puzzle of the menagerie and all of a sudden the dinosaurs, all they creaked and they cracked and their bones broke and they all came to life and started to attack you. Two of the four velociraptors, their bones, they were just too old and they just sort of crumbled to dust. But the other two, they're still advancing on you. But more importantly, the giant triceratops, the trihorn terror is just charging you guys right now. So let's say it. Finally, first combat, roll for initiative. Uh, That's a total of a three for me, Jack. That's a a nice six for me. Still got my my hand in his uh, his pocket. So first up, one of the little creatures jumps down off its dais and just beelines straight towards you, moving super fast. Sort of terrifying in the way it sort of gets low, running on its hind legs with the claws, and it comes firing straight at Otis. This one gets a multi-attack, so it's going to take a bite out of you. A nine going to hit you? I don't think so. Nope. And then it's going to take a swipe with its claws. A 15. Hits. So it slices through your clothes, gets a deep graze into your arm, um, and it hits you for five damage. Perfect. So then the giant creature steps down off the dais and just thunders down towards Seok. As it does so, uh, the room shakes, and it comes up and it tries to slam straight into you with its big horn. 22. So that's probably going to hit, yeah. So that's going to hit you for 17. I'm going to use Uncanny Dodge to half that damage. Uh, then the other small creature um, starts to beeline down towards Seok. But can't make it quite far enough, so it is sort of 
lurking behind uh, one of the pillars as it's trying to scoot its way past the the giant creature um, and get another attack on on one of you. Um, Seok, what are you doing as this crazy scene unfolds? I'm going to step the Trihon Terror, going to conjure two daggers, one in each hand. And that's going to be a 20 to hit. Yes, that will definitely hit. All right. That will do, oh, nice, six damage. And I'm going to use my offhand to attack again. So that's a 12. Second attack just misses. You look up at the giant creature that's just slammed its horn into you and you let your arms almost casually drop by your sides and then reality warps as you conjure the daggers. You step forward and you deftly twist out of the way as the creature attempts to catch you again and with the spinning motion that leaves you standing back out of harm's way you strike the trihorn terror with the dagger in your main hand and as you do that you see this pulse of psychic energy painfully rack the creature as the blade strikes the bone. Otis, what are you doing as uh, Theok takes a swing at this giant monstrous creature? Otis will quickly relate to Seok. Brother, what's more important? Mr. Jones down or these dinosaurs dead? I'm not sure. Is is he the one controlling him? Or is he... Like, I, I, I don't know. I decided to, to attack the dinosaurs. Maybe give me a quick perception then, Otis. Yeah. That will be a total of nine. So yeah, I think it's probably pretty easy to feel because you're actively concentrating on this. It's like you probably feel like a little bit of resistance as you're casting this hold person spell on um, indifference. I think you noticed as he his eyes closed, that resistance like released. So it feels like he passed out to you. In that case, Otis will drop the hold person. Uh-huh, you do that and... Um, Indifference is you see his arms sort of release from his sides because he was held, but he doesn't, like, spring up or anything. He doesn't open his eyes. And then I'm going to cast Witch Bolt at second level. Otis fishes in a pocket, reaches out a twig that's all blackened and charred and just sort of snaps it in his hand. Some crackling blue energy jumps towards the Trihorn Terror. Oh, that's a 17 to hit. Yeah, that's going to hit. Beautiful. That's going to be 11 damage. And so now this, it's a sustained arc, so it'll stay there between me and the Trihorn Terror. So yeah, it streaks out, collides with the things, and things go flying all over the room out of this thing. I imagine like your hand is probably outstretched and the, the bolt is going from your hand to the creature. Yeah, Otis has still got that broken twig in his hand as the arc of lightning is travelling between. So then back to the smaller chicken-like creature. Uh, let's just call it a velociraptor to save time. Uh, goes to take a bite out of you. <laughs> Unable to get a bite on your big elephant side, but once again the claw comes down and gets a big swipe on you uh, with a 19. Oh, that's going to hit, and I'll need to roll concentration for that too. So, not, yeah, 19 hits, uh, and then... Like four damage. Four damage. Con check of 10. 
That is an 11 to Whoa. keep my concentration going. So the blue energy is still there. Still crackling away. Then the Trihorn Terra puts its horn down again, trying to get revenge on Seok for uh, striking with its blade before... His blade, rather. I think a 24 is going to hit you. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, it's going to hit you for 8 damage this time. I'm going to use my reaction again to half that to 4. My whole body is like a... like one of those wind... W- wiggly boys. One of them wiggly boys. <laughs> Wacky <laughs> waving a fleet of alarm, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't know where my body starts and the wind begins. <laughs> wind wiggly, man. <laughs> the Velociraptor, the other one uh, that's just skulking around behind the Trihorn Terror comes flying around the pillar up to the other pillar on the other side where Seok is. Uh, it is going to take a swipe at Seok now. This one has pack tactics, so it's going to get advantage on these rolls. So a 21 with the bite. That will do. Takes a chomp out of you with the three damage. Ouch. And then a 16 with the claw. My C is 14, so it will definitely hit. And then six with the claw. Ouch, it's starting to hurt. The biting and the slashing coming for you. What do you do after that onslaught? I'm going to scream to Otis. I'm getting smashed. I'm getting smashed. And I'm, I'm still going to turn around and throw my dagger at the creature next to him. Ah, it's a 19. Yeah, 19's going to hit. It's a 5 damage, but also because there's all this next to it, I can add the sneak attack and I'll do that. Boom. Ooh, nice max roll. Uh, not max roll, but high enough. 13 extra psychic damage. For a total of 18. Yeah, you just wind up, spin around, toss that blade, and it just connects with the Velociraptor, and it just explodes into a million pieces. The thing is like old bones at this point. As it explodes in different Jones, his body shakes. So, Seok, you definitely move away from the the two creatures fighting you before any of them can strike you, and you pass behind one pillar, and then you're sort of leaning against one of the other pillars towards the back of the room. Otis, what are you doing as this is happening? Otis is going to take a couple of steps back towards one of the other pillars, and then put another burst of energy through that beam so you sort of see the like a bulge in that beam sort of like a blocked hose just charge towards the trihorn terror and chuck some more damage that is a 11 damage you see the the big sort of pulsating ball move down the beam and just connect with the creature again and just takes this huge hit the whole thing shakes bones go flying everywhere but it's still up but it is starting to, like, miss huge chunks of its skeleton. And the room shakes all around you guys um, as, as that happens. 
seeing as you've moved back the distance. Seok, you're off in the other side, hiding behind the pillar. The Trihorn Terror looks around the room uh, and clocks you, Otis, at the other end of this giant beam and it puts its head low and it charges directly at you. So it's going to move directly over the dais where it was before. So I'm going to say that's difficult terrain for it to get over. But fortunately, it does have 50 feet of movement, so it is going to be able to get all the way up to you. Just full double barrel, deftly steps over Indifference Jones, you'll notice, not touching him at all, and lowers its horns and barrels straight into you with a 17. Oh, that's going to hit. Oh, no. Great. So it's going to deal nine damage. So roll for your to maintain concentration. That's a oh my god, that's a that's a three, which is a critical failure. So that's a nat one, isn't it? Uh huh. Love it. Cool. So you break concentration because it moved over twenty feet and attacked you in the same turn. I'm going to need you to make a DC thirteen strength saving throw or be knocked prone. That's a seven. Great, you are knocked prone as the creature just collides with you with all its weight. The bolt disappears. Because of that, it is also going to get to make a stomp attack as a bonus action on you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Otis, you're about to be an orphan. uh, Wait, you already were an orphan. Um. (laughs) Great, so that's going to hit you... A 25 is going to hit you. No. Oh, oh, SpaghettiO. Oh, no. Uh, Then that's going to hit you for 11. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You would see that Otis is very worse for wear at this point. (laughs) And as all this is happening, the other creature, the one remaining Velociraptor, sprints around the other pillar and closes on Seok. He's going to take two attacks on you again. Goes for a bite first. 17. Uh, It's hitting. Take four. And then 20 with the claw. Not natural. That hits two. Take three. I'm going to half that one to one. Seok on you. All right. Seok sees uh, his brother in dire straits. Two more daggers form into his hands. He's gonna bonus action disengage, move to the backside of the Triceratops and stab him in the back. Just like all great heroes. <laughs> I nobly move and stab the creature in the back. Stab it, stab it. Here we go. That's a 10. That's not gonna hit it. Otis... You're looking in trouble right now. You're on the ground. Okay. Otis is going to... Sorry, and just for the audience, how many hit points do you have right now? Oh, I have a total of one hit point. Um, so, we're do- I'm doing well. Otis is going to... S- I'm going to use half my movement to get up. I'm going to just take a step to the side, and I am going to cast Thunder Wave. So, 15-foot cube around me. Thunderous force sweeps out. So they need to make a con save? Yes, uh, so con save. What's it need to beat? 13. Here we go. Yeah, nat 20 is going to beat that. Oh, no. That's right, half damage. 
half damage. All right, how much damage is it taking? It uh, is going to that's so three d eight, two d eight plus one, one d eight. So I've got a one, a one, and a six. So yep, a total of eight damage. Halved is four. Four damage for a second level spell. Oh, we love that. Cool. So yeah, I think Otis puts his hand out, big sizzling explosion. The whole uh, creature gets like engulfed by this bright light uh, and then the light fades away uh, and it is still very much standing there, uh, <laughs> looking roughly the same as it looked before. Um, and, and, and all of, like, little bits and pieces and stuff around the creature have just been, like, blasted across the room. And as that happens, like, things blast into the walls and this place is, like, really starting to look in kind of rough shape at the moment with all the damage that the Trihorn Terror has been doing. But it, unperturbed by all of this, lowers its horns once more and goes to gore... Otis. <laughs> Yay! I think a 26 is going to hit. It might, might just do that, Jack. It might just do. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you're going to take 14 damage. Oh, my God. So that happens, and Otis goes down hard as the horn just stabs right into your side. Then the other Velociraptor, the one still remaining, runs towards Zeok, uh, making the move to try and get him gets just behind the Trihorn Terror, sliding underneath its tail and coming around the corner to go for him. Seok, what are you doing? Your brother's just fallen. Quite an impressive explosion and the the massive creature has just resisted it. Uh, Seok, Seok will move around next to Otis and while he's doing it, he's uh, attacking the big guy. One time with the main hand for 21 to hit. That's going to hit. That's uh, four damage. The Terra is looking in rough shape at the moment. And then with the offhand, which will be uh, 11 to hit. It's not going to hit. The second attack. There we go. All I got. Otis, give me a death save. That is a two. First failure. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you are lucky. <laughs> At least it wasn't a one. At least it wasn't a one is all I'll say. It's very, yeah, yep. It's how, how astute of you, Jack. <laughs> the Trihorn Terror turns and faces Seok at this point and goes to make a move to attack him. But as it does... One of its legs just snaps, the bone just giving up at this point, and it is unable to move, but it's still able to get its horns on you. So it lunges forward just with this three-legged form at this point. Uh, It's going to make an attack with disadvantage. Is a 13 going to hit you? Just misses. Oh, my God. Then the Velociraptor is going to come from the other way. Can it make it far enough? It can. Comes flying around the corner and gets just in range of, uh, of you. Seok uh, uh, is going to take two attacks on you now and it's going to get advantage on these attacks as well. I thought I could hide behind the big guy. Oh, wow, those aren't some good advantage rolls. 
Is that a, a 14 going to hit you? A 14 is going to hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Can I take four damage? Uh, going to half that. <laughs> uh, great. And then another one, 13. A 13 is not going to hit. Oh, <laughs> you are lucky, my friend. <laughs> All right, your turn. What are you doing? Uh, I need to stab this big guy. <laughs> stab him. Stab, stab. It's uh, 25 to hit. That will hit. Alright, give me something better than a one on the dice. Ah, there we go. So that's uh, eight damage. So you connect well and good on one of its other good legs. And as it does, it's, it sort of tries to get up and move on three unstable legs. You hit it at, like, the perfect time. It rolls bad, and it rolls off, and it hits a wall nearby, and it just blows a hole in the side of the museum. But it is dead. You got this thing. I mean, it was dead, but um, <laughs> we killed it again. It's even more so dead. Watching that unfold. I look at the Velociraptor, probably has the same expression on his face. <laughs> and then I, I stab it with my other hand. <laughs> Go for it. Right into the face. For uh, 17 to hit. That's going to hit. That is also 8 damage. Your desperation, you just lunge out at this thing. And this is the first time anyone has actually landed a hit on this one rogue velociraptor <laughs> that's been flying around the room. And in that one hit, the bones just dust. The thing just explodes. And it is dead. All right. And then I look around. Uh, Indifference Jones still on the ground, not moving. I'll grab a healing potion and I pour it into his Otis's mouth. Nine. Oh, lovely. Otis is up and about, looking around at what happened. You always leave all the hard work for me. <laughs> so you pop up, Siok, you safely have the uh, back of the canvas uh, with you. You look over and you still see Indifference Jones on the other side of the room. is still collapsed, completely unharmed despite all the chaos that has happened. There's just crumbling walls and wreckage everywhere, paintings destroyed. The menagerie is totally ruined. Over near the door, which part of the mirror smashed into, you hear some pounding sounds from behind. Seems like there's some people trying to get into the room. What do you guys do? I just suggest, yeah, look at... See, I can say along the lines of, time to go, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was time, like, two minutes ago, and <laughs> <laughs> look what happens instead. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Uh, Otis does spare a glance for Indifference Jones, though. It's just in the sense of feeling sorry for what we have done to him. <laughs> As you glance over, he starts to stir a little bit. <laughs> Otis immediately puts all care out of his mind and runs. <laughs> Get out of the hole that was smashed into the wall. Yep, straight to the ground. So you turn away from Indifference Jones and just sprint straight out that hole in the side of the museum. And you race out into the gardens and you can hear just unrest from people around. This is huge what has happened and you guys need to get out of here as soon as possible. 
So you slink into an alley nearby and you carefully start making your way back to the office, knowing that despite things not going quite to plan, you're one step closer to knowing what happened to the Runei. So when we join you again, it's late the same night that the event happened at the Hall of Electric Curiosity. You've made it back to the office and it was a really tense journey back because you were dodging guard patrols, there's general unrest in the streets. The commotion at the museum was a huge disruption to this city and people will be talking about this for weeks to come. But you've arrived home, you've laid low for a while, Enough time has passed that you're comfortable looking at the painting and seeing if you can figure out what it actually says. So there's a table in your main work area and you clear everything off it. There's, you know, cups of coffee, there's missing person notices, there's half-completed expense reports, there's plates with uneated toast left on them. And you spread the painting across the table. It covers nearly the entire tabletop. And you look at the back of the canvas and you notice that it's some sort of arcane script that you don't recognise immediately. In addition to that, it's not what you would traditionally call writing even. There's these shapes and there's these lines drawn in arcs. Objects move along the arcs while other small objects rotate around them. It bounces and it moves around the back of the canvas, almost resembling something like a star map. And in the middle is the runic eye. Otis, what do you do? Like me being a wizard, can I roll an arcana to like see if I've I've seen anything of this nature before? Like is this script or moving script common? Yeah, totally. See if you can beat a 12 arcana. All right. Uh, That is a 24. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, 24. (laughs) Good roll. (laughs) With the 24, you recognise this as a common enchantment that the Runei use to seal away some secret information. Um, And rolling a 24, I can even let you know that you know that there is a code phrase that you'll need to use to unlock this type of enchantment. Yeah, Otis probably turns to Seok and says, "Uh, Brother, this requires a code phrase, I believe. For what it's worth, it's actually really pretty. I don't know why would anyone would want to look at that other side of the paintings. This is, this is, this is... And he just, like, drifts off. And you can see he's, like, absolutely hypnotized by the moving objects and the sparkling lights. Otis starts, like, just, like, and just saying things along the lines of, like, words that he... Think could be that could trigger it like runei necktie like just things that we've we've seen and know that could relate to unlocking something of the runei while silk is like staring into the depths of it is like can he maybe connect any of the symbols to anything he knows from like maybe codes that were used prior in like messages or anything yeah, I think that's a that's a good train of thought. Um, make a history check here. 
Um, and specifically, I think Sirk's a pretty sneaky guy when he was probably learning the ways of the Runei. This was something he probably paid a little bit more attention to. So yeah, I think make this roll with advantage and see if you can just beat a 10 on your history check here. All right, I'll give it a go. Sirk's like a medieval cryptographer. And um, with advantage, that's uh, it's a whole nine. I take back my statement. <laughs> <laughs> but he will put some extra mental powers into it and add a psionic dice, which is a three, which brings us up to a total of 12. Okay, so with a 12, um, you're sitting and you're staring at the design and you're still feeling really mesmerized by it. And that thing is happening where your mind is just wandering a little bit and you're thinking back to the past and you're thinking what this picture reminds you of. And you're like, gosh, this is amazing. And it sort of reminds you of some things that you looked at when you were studying the Runei ways when you were younger. And you're like, gosh, it reminds me of some of those books. Oh, God, I hate books. And then you're like, but there was that one book that I kind of liked. What was that about again? Oh, yeah, it was about, like, Runei code phrases. Being, like, mesmerized and, like, in almost trance-like, Siok tries to pull himself away from it. And he's, like, his, his gaze is on the, on, on the moving symbols, but his body is trying to, like, pull himself away. And I, I feel like um, Otis is very, like, knows that state of mind. Yeah, I think I think Otis just, like, unconsciously, like, not paying super heed to it, will just, like, sort of use one arm to, like, sort of push, just nudge Siok enough away from the table to just, like, break, break his concentration sort of thing. And probably say something along the lines of, uh, brother, you, you were good at these things. Any, any ideas? Ah, well, I remembered something that we do have, you know, that book, I don't know where it is, it's a book with code phrases in it, like the, it also has the, the eye on it, pretty sure I've seen it, like, seen it somewhere, don't really remember when I last saw it. Very, very typical elephant man. His trunk comes up and slaps himself in the face. It's not a hand. And then he's like, of course. And like Otis being Otis with books and things like that. Doesn't even have to look. He just sort of beelines straight to the shelf with the book on it and takes it off. Great. So yeah, you take the book and you bring it back to the canvas and you flip straight to the index. And because you rolled so well before, you know exactly which enchantment to find. You flip it back to that page You open it up and you read the code phrase that is written on the page. Where the ancient ones grow and the secrets are many. And then sort of glances to the the script and waits. As you say this, the shapes on the back of the canvas stop, suddenly halting in position. But just for a moment, just as quickly as they stopped, they start moving again until words start forming on the back of the canvas. The artifact is hidden in the heart of the city, where the ancient ones grow and the secrets are many. To find our salvation and restore our family, events must be set into motion. By the great tree inside our old home, 
behind the false wall in the cupboard lies the ledger. Call it our debts. Otis sort of sits there, like tapping his chin with his trunk for a little bit, and then turns to his brother and says, Brother, the, the ledger, could that be the ledger of the Runei members? It could be, but I think the line that says, call in our debts, is hints more at maybe favors we are owed. Could be. The Runei has done many a service to many a people. Could um, Can I roll a history check to see if I know of any artifacts that the Runei, like, covet? Okay, sure, yeah. Otis is a bit of a historian, so I think this is a pretty easy check for him to make. Um, so I want you to make it with advantage and main, pretty mainstream Runei knowledge question that you're asking here. So I think you only probably need to beat a five on this one. That is a nat 20, <laughs> 25. <laughs> okay, nat 20. <laughs> Getting them when you need them in the exposition zone. Yes, so with a nat 20, I can answer the question you asked and the question you didn't ask as yeah. well. So, um, about the artifacts, if there's any artifacts that people covered. I think there's a number of artifacts that are important to, like, the mythology of the Runei, but the way that this one is being spoken about here, to you it jumps out as, like, antithetical to the way that the Runei think about artifacts. To try and find it, to cover it in this way, is very strange to you. So, but you have a think about some of the other parts of the passage. And with that natural 20 that you rolled, you think about the part where it says, by the great tree. And that makes you think of the great central tree that the city of Ethelgrove formed around. You know, of course, that it's almost like a public transport system, ferrying people up and down from the different levels of the city, which of course extends into the trees and down onto the ground as people are going back and forth to work in the different areas. So you think the Great Tree must be that, and that also reminds you that when the Runei first came to Ethelgrove, it was early days, and they had a famous headquarters at this stage. It was before everyone had sort of dispersed and gone into hiding. And you think that our old home by the Great Tree probably refers to this place. Yeah, I think... think Otis, like like I said before, he's sort of like tapping his chin with his trunk and then just like like all of a sudden it just sort of drops limp for a second and then like sort of turns to Seok and he's like, brother, I think it references the the Runei's first hideout in Ethel Grove. I, I thought that was pretty obvious. Well, <laughs> some of us aren't as quick to the draw, brother. But I think I think I know where we're headed next. I think so too. We should definitely get some healing potions. <laughs> ah, we did it! Season one in the books. Sounds like adventure. 
Oh my God, thank you so much for joining Otis and Seok on their journey. It's been amazing so far and it's great to just wrap it up. No, no question marks left over, right? (laughs) But no, there's more coming very soon, but we are going to take a little break. We're going to be away for four weeks, but in the meantime, I do want you to keep an eye on the feed because there are a few surprises that are going to come. And to make sure that you don't miss anything, make sure that you like and subscribe and you follow, you head over to your podcast app, you do all the things that you need to do, especially leave a five-star review. It'd mean the world to us. But hey, keep an eye on that feed. We're going for four weeks, but I have a surprise coming for you and it's coming even sooner than you would expect. All right, I'll see you next season.